Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Well, we got to get down to business. Indeed we do. Indeed we do. I won't just turn the car around. <laughs> I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to kick you out, oh, and I'm going to make you walk home oh god <laughs> i'm scared <laughs> your ben jarofsky show for wednesday july 7th is brought to you by seiu healthcare illinois indiana the chicago federation of labor the chicago teachers union and oh yeah ben very excited yeah. about that <laughs> <laughs> and Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Subscribe, chicagoreader.com. Tons of stuff. Go check it out. And you can help out this program, chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky. There you can be a binhead. Find out more information, chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. It is Wednesday, July 7th, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson returns, and it's the long-awaited return of Senator Robert Peters. Now your host, good Lord, not a senator. <laughs> Chicago Raider columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. Calling this Joe in Crystal Lake Wednesday. And here's why. Because President Joey Biden went to Crystal Lake. That's why. But before we get to that, let me get to this. D, I'm officially thinking of turning my name to Senator. I kind of mm. like that. I've been mulling it over ever since you said that. Not a senator. Oh, about 10 seconds want, ago, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of like, from now on, people, I want to be known as Senator Jarofsky. Or you can call me Colonel. You know, I've always wanted to be a Colonel, like Colonel Sanders. Colonel Jarofsky. That sounds good. Anyway, where was I? Oh, before I get to Joe Biden going to Crystal Lake, let me say this. How about that? Huh? Great night at the hideout last night. So glad to be back for first Tuesdays. My and me and a bunch of lefties. A few centrists hiding out, taking notes. Let's see what these lefties are up to. Uh, wonderful night, folks. Outside, it was kind of hot, kind of sticky. But every now and then, a breeze wafted in from across the soccer field, across the street from the hideout, which used to be filled with garbage trucks as it was owned by the city. The mayor, Ron, cooked up a deal. He moved the garbage trucks to the south side and sold the land to a well-connected developer for far less than it was worth. And then <laughs> this, the pocketed the money to help pay for the redevelopment of the area. So whatever we, the people, made by selling the land the garbage trucks were once on, Ron 
sort of gave back to the developer who bought the land. Are you following this, people? If you're not, don't worry about it. You're not supposed to understand these complicated transactions. Okay, good. You're just the happy little peasants who pay the tax bill. Now shut up and give us your tax dollar. Here, Rom, take my money. You're the mayor. That's my imitation of an average Chicago D. Here you go, Mr. Mayor. I'm just happy to give you my money. Anyway, what would Rom say about that? He's no longer the mayor. He would say, take a chill pill, man. Lori Lightfoot is the mayor. She's different than Rom, okay? Actually, on the agenda for last night's show was the elected school board. Uh, Rod Wilson of Hope Center was there. State Senator Rob Martwick was there. And State Representative Deli Ramirez were there. They were giving us the ins and the outs. Man, if you really want to understand the Wheeler Dealers and City Hall and how they play the game of politics, you got to listen to Deli Ramirez and Rob Martwick tell the tale of Mayor Lori Leftwood trying to undercut the elected school board movement. It could be a movie. First, she insists that school board pay members get paid. So Mark puts that in the bill. Then she uses the fact that the school board members would get paid as a tool to whip up Republican opposition. Republicans are horrified. They're going to pay people to sit on the school board in Chicago. You'll never, ever, ever hear a Republican say anything about forking over $1 billion to a developer to build upscale <laughs> housing in a gentrifying corner of Chicago. But pay some citizen to sit on the school board, which might encourage someone who isn't independently wealthy to run. Oh, my God, they're horrified. Completely cynical power play by Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Almost, It's so cynical, almost got to give her credit. Bill passed anyway in the face of overwhelming opposition from Republicans. Hey, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, you have to be just a little embarrassed when the only people you can find to support your position on an elected school board are Trump supporters. I won't just turn the car around. I will snatch away your elected school board. Anyway, great night. want to thank uh, Rod Wilson, Rob Martwick, Maya. I also want to thank Tim and Katie from the hideout and HM on the live stream. I see you, HM, even though I don't see you. I don't have access to the streaming thing. He's right there. Hey, HM. (laughs) Turns out he's a DJ, D. Did you know that? No. He's a DJ, G. It's it's, it's easy for you to say. (laughs) Anyway, that was a great night last night. I woke up to discover that President Joe Biden is coming to Illinois. Sometimes there's a flurry over this. Oh, my God, the president is actually coming to Chicago. We must be important because otherwise, why would such an important person come to our little town? It's part of his victory tour. America, back together tour. He was in Traverse City yesterday. That's up in Michigan, folks, eating a giant ice cream cone. There was a picture of it in the Sun-Times. They actually looked pretty good. Maybe hungry for ice cream. Now he's in Crystal Lake. Well, I know he's left already. I'm like, why? Nothing against Crystal Lake. It's in McHenry County. Peter Jenko is from McHenry County. What up, Peter Jenko, Democratic committeeman? Bob is from Crystal Lake. Who's Bob, you ask? He's the owner of the bowling alley I bowl at. I will now do my imitation of Bob. Here we go, D. Uh, uh, is that a good imitation, D? Uh, sure. That was great. I, I'd like to bowl there again, so... Let's hear your imitation of Bob. Hey, come on there, dickhead. What are you doing? <laughs> that's, that's way better than mine. Bob's a Trump supporter. I love him anyway. Everybody, everybody must have one friend. Monroe Anderson, our next guest, has like 10 Trump friends. I got one friend who's a Trump supporter, Bob. McHenry County is crawling with Trump supporters. So that explains why Joe Biden went there. Apparently, it's part of his larger strategy 
to assure MAGA that he loves them too, that he's not a Democrat, pres- Democratic president, he's America's president. Will it work? Are you kidding? You got a better chance of convincing Republicans that it's a bad idea to give gazillionaires a handout to underwrite the cost of building upscale housing in already gentrifying neighborhoods. You're not going to win over MAGA, Joe. But Joe Biden is apparently determined to prove me wrong. We got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson is here. I'm looking at him right now. We're going to bring him on first. And then State Senator Robert Peters will be joining us, the state senator from Hyde Park. He uh, won the seat that used to be held by one Barack Obama. But Robert Peters is to the left of Barack Obama. He's a lefty. And one of my favorite things to do is to pair Monroe with young lefties. (laughs) Uh, The old centrist. He's going to explain to him how the world really works. Uh, Monroe and the lefties. It's always fun. Uh, Every Wednesday, try to get a young lefty on with Monroe. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the great Monroe Anderson. Welcome back, Monroe. I'm I'm I, I'm not a citrus. I'm just left of liberal. Uh, okay, so if you're just left of liberal, then right. technically you're not a centrist. In your heart, you're a radical. Okay, in your heart, you're a radical, but your brain tells you something else. My experiences, life experiences, tell me other things. I was, I, I was ready to drop, die for the re- revolution back in the 60s. Not so much now. <laughs> By the way, have you seen the movie um, uh, about, about the, what's it called? The Summer, Summer of Soul. Have you seen that yet? No, it's on not Hulu. Yet. I'm going to want to see it. Yeah, right. Speaking I, I of the revolution. Gilson yeah. Um, they, 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 they've been promoting it as the, uh, the, the black um, Woodstock. Well, this will get into something. Um, Monroe has accused me of saying that uh, black people are superior to white people. Uh, That was a conversation we had about two months ago. Apparently I see the world much like your wife does. And, um, but you know, it's kind of like when you compare anything, Monroe, I'm just saying like, (laughs) you're right. You had Woodstock in August of 1969. Compare billionaires. (laughs) <laughs> well let's see there's michael jordan and oprah winfrey, oprah winfrey. <laughs> bob johnson maybe maybe right right uh, he could be in the trump trump territory you know what i mean yeah, Not right. quite exactly. <laughs> exactly because he had to split it with his wife I did not know that. His ex-wife, yeah. They got divorced and she said, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Monroe, somehow or other, when uh, Jeff Bezos has to split it with his wife, he's still a billionaire. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. He, yeah, everybody's a billionaire. <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> I like, I, you get a billionaire, you get a billionaire. <laughs> No, but in every step of the way, uh, Summer of Soul is better than Woodstock. And I'm just being objective. By the way, we're, we're pushing. Uh, this, this is something I really want to talk to Monroe about. I gave him, I gave him so, many home, so much homework assignments this week. People, poor guy is overwhelmed. The Rachel Nichols, Maria Taylor showdown. Uh, did you have an opportunity to read that story? I, I, no, because I, when, I was looking, when I was trying to look at it, I archived it some kind of, I hit a wrong button and <laughs> it's, it's archived and I don't know, I got to find it. 
but this was like now. Oh, that's hilarious, man. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so funny, man. Uh, no, I'll shoot first and ask questions later. Well, no, this is a, a fascinating uh, little story that, I mean, it's politically, I don't know how relevant it is to the politics of the day. Uh, and we'll get into politics. Biden going to Crystal Lake to try to win over MAGA. I'm not quite sure it's going to work. Let's see what Monroe has to say about it. Uh, Robert Peters wants to weigh in on Eric Adams. So we'll hold off on Eric Adams being elected, uh, winning the Democratic nomination to run uh, for mayor of New York. Uh, Robert Peters, we're going to be talking about whether uh, Eric Adams uh, is a wake-up call to Democrats, as he says. Eric Adams said that. Or... Uh, is it just a he, he and he alone can fix it? Yeah, he's <laughs> see, see. There's the there's the inner lefty in Monroe right there. Okay, he was he would have been for Wiley in that race, the AOC candidate. Uh, and then, of course, we got to talk about how the Supreme Court last week, Monroe and I were on with Jimmy Coogan, uh, ace attorney, and we were talking about the Supreme Court. Oh, they're really showing us that maybe they're not, you know, hardcore ideologues. And then, boom, the next day. Oh, well, my if, goodness. Ben, if you will recall. Yes. I theorize that they may be doing these small potato cases trying to appear not not a radical right wing because when because when it's got time for the big stuff, they got they were gonna be who they are. And that's well, exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. Uh, they took a, a page from a football coach named Dennis Green. We know who they are, the Bears who we're, wait, what did, what did he say, Monroe? The Bears are who we thought they were. Right, so, exactly, right, exactly. Uh, I'm messing it up. Sorry, Dennis Green. Yeah, uh, but, dead now. He doesn't care. Okay, that's really it. Uh, but, um, <laughs> yes, the Supreme Court, at the, on, the, on the last day, will release their rulings. The day after, Monroe, Jim, and I gathered to talk about how they were showing us um, little signs of independence. And you're right, Monroe. You said it was all BS, and so did Jim, basically. Uh, the next day, boom, one-two punch, six to three rulings by the right-wingers on the court, essentially saying that uh, corporations are – that there should be no laws restricting uh, raising money, campaign financing, and gerrymandering uh, is legal. <laughs> Uh, and uh, pervert not not gerrymandering so much as uh, election laws that make it harder for black people to vote uh, is legal. So shut up, Dems. And here's your present Republicans. Very partisan uh, uh, decisions, in my humble opinion. Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah no, we, my thoughts are that the Democrats in Washington, in the Senate in particular, are going to have to face reality and kill the filibuster. Because if not, they're going to be in big trouble next year. And, and nobody's going to be in charge. They're going, to, they're going to handcuff a Biden because you have a Republican House that they stole and a Republican Senate that they stole. And they would, they would tie Biden up and then unleash Trump on us or try to. So I'm with, I'm with you. And Joe Biden going to crystal Lake, which yeah. is uh Trump country uh, as part of his effort to convince MAGA that he's their president too. I 
um, I don't think that's I don't think that's what he's doing. I think he's doing what Harold Washington did when the twenty nine had him all all strength was uh, tied up. Um, he went to various uh, white wards and said, um, "The sewer that you need replaced, I'm I'm ready and willing to do it, but your council, your alderman." It's tied it up in the city council. And then they would get the calls from their constituents. And that's how he got things done. I think that Biden is in Crystal Lake, and I haven't been able to catch up with what's, what, what happened there. But I think that he, he got there, and what he did was talk about all the stuff that they want, the Republicans there want and how the Republicans in Washington are preventing it from happening. And actually, when, when Biden talks about uh, being bipartisan, what he's really talking about at this point is doing the things both Democrats and Republicans want out in the hinterlands. Um, Mitch McConnell and Trump don't want that because they want Biden to lose mm. in three years. They want, they want to get the House back next year and the Senate. And then they want to tie Biden up and then uh, make way for um, a Republican. Um, Trump thinks it's going to be Trump. Um, I, I think instead of running um, for president in 2024, he's going to be still running from the long arm of the law. <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> so I don't think he's going to be a factor, but, but it will be uh, a, a trump light personality. Well, I, I have always said this about Chicagoans. Yes. That Chicagoans will uh, vote for Richard M. Daly to be their mayor. Right. Uh, no matter how old he is, whether he's a sound of mind, whether he's even still alive. Yes. They just see that Richard M. Daly name and they go, oh, he really likes Chicago and they vote for him. Yeah. And I'm starting to think that the Republican corollary of Monroe is that MAGA will vote for Donald Trump. If even if he's in prison, the man will be oh, yeah. in prison and MAGA yeah, like, no, is a good president. Yeah, they will. But but they're the minority party. So that doesn't matter. In fact, the game they're playing right now is um, the Electoral College game. They can they cannot get the popular vote, period. In the story, but what they're doing is is setting up laws. They're passing laws where they get to count the votes in the, the states that um, the electoral college can decide who the, who the president is. In. These the, the 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 states that are on on the verge of being Democrat or Republican, you know, the the purple states are the are the, are the um those states that can go either way. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. They're th they're thinking, and they're already ahead of you, Democrats. Democrats, right. you know, you're still just so proud. I don't know what Democrats are doing, Monroe, but no, no, this is what Democrats are doing. You know, I mean, if you call recall in years past, I, I said that um, Republicans were back shooters and Democrats would try to have a, a duel at high noon. <laughs> 
and that never worked out for them. So their, their current version of that is that the Republicans are lying and cheating and projecting while the Democrats are bragging about their policies and the things they're getting done. And unless they get down in the mud with the, the, the Republicans, that's not going to matter in the end Absolutely. of the end. I mean, they keep hoping it will, but but if they don't stop the steal, the real steal, stop the real steal uh, that the Republicans are doing out in the open, then um, their policies will get reversed in two in two years anyway. So they yeah, you. they you know they they need to be the Democrats need to be campaigning right now, and the way they need to be re, uh, campaigning is to unleash Bernie and unleash AOC, where they're on the news and and um, some you know various Democrats in various states where they're on the news all the time pointing out what the the Republicans are doing. And what that will mean in 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 layman's language, not not in any uh, fancy political gobbledygook. I, I'm with you, and I hope Dems are listening. Half the time, Dems are fighting each other. We'll get into Eric Adams and uh, what that means, but uh, half the time, Dems are fighting each other. But what Monroe said is so absolutely true. The, the Supreme Court gave the Republicans license to pass any old voter suppression law they want pass it's it's beyond voter suppression as monroe said it's now like banana republic politics it's like you install these flunkies to trump who oversee the election process and they get to decide whether votes get thrown out right that's what republicans are doing ladies and gentlemen why you're snoozing democrats and Republicans play to win. I don't know what Democrats do. Run around and lose weight. I don't know what they do, Monroe. But it's it's really remarkable that and and the Dems are right, still writing these articles. Oh, the Supreme Court. Oh, they're so they they surprised me on that ruling about uh, college athletes, dummies. Right. That right. college athlete thing is nothing. Right. Yeah. Right. They don't, they don't have any sons <laughs> in, in universities playing on, on the big league teams. <laughs> oh, Democrat. Oh, they, they got the Koch brothers playing for yes. children's college. Ben, that, that was a really surprising ruling. Come on now. Brett Kavanaugh's not a bad guy. Democrats. Right. I'm with you, Monroe. It, it's it's uh, They're setting it up. And so, uh, all right. Uh, one thing that struck me was odd about Biden coming to Illinois. Yeah. It's, I guess odd's uh, not the right word. Let me just put it. it it's so uh, counter what's happening over the last year. Since everybody woke up uh, in 2000 and realized that you can win the election but lose the White House, right. with, with which the Gore-Bush race uh, taught people, and right. then it was reinforced in 2016 when Trump lost by even less, I mean, by even more uh, than uh, Bush did. Uh, they've got woken up to the fact that there's no need to for a president to visit a state like Illinois because it's blue. And no matter what happens, you're not flipping it. You got to go to uh, swing states. And so, Monroe, it's not just during the campaign that this happens. We see this when the president's making his visits around America being presidential 
You know, you know what I'm saying? They'll go yeah. to Michigan, a swing state. They'll go to Wisconsin, a swing state. They'll go to Pennsylvania, a swing state. Arizona, Georgia, et cetera. They're not going to go. Why would they go to Illinois? And yet, well, Joey he, B he, comes to Illinois. In, go ahead. Well, he, he again, he's in Crystal Lake, which is Trump country territory. It's, it's Trump territory. Uh, so, so he can make the pitch to the, the the right wingers, uh, the MAGA people, that um, what he's doing is better for them than what Trump is doing for yeah. them, or, or the Republican Party in general, who has now gone about sanitizing uh, January sixth. There was no insurrection. There was no 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 riot. Just a bunch of patriots getting together to express their love for America. Man, you're right. That oh my goodness, and I and folks, I like to remind everybody. January six occurred on a Wednesday, and Monroe was my guest, and he had his TV on in front of him with the sound turned down. I've told the story a million times, and the look on his face of I didn't know what was going on. I just was reading the story in Monroe's eyes, like I can't. And believe this shit. (laughs) And then you said, I think you'll bet you won't believe what's going on. (laughs) And we closed down the show. I'm like, I got to watch this. Uh, But yeah, no, they're rewriting history uh, as we speak. And and I I don't think, and um, just a little icing on the cake um, Trump is suing Twitter, Facebook, and Alphabet. For what? I mean, letting him be be on, on there. You know what? He, he I did not know that. He actually filed suit himself? Yes, yes. Good. Yes, yeah. You know, yes. he's the most uh, lit, uh, litigious. Lit, yeah, litigious. Is that the word? Yeah. Yeah. He's the most litigious man in America. I mean, he's been in suits all his adult life. Either somebody's suing him or he sues somebody. Yeah. Um, and so now he's 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 going to try to force the social media companies into letting him back on to tell lies, spread lies. Well, I'll just re- repeat what we said last week when Jim Cooley was on the air, uh, the show with us. Not a sound strategy to sue the, one of the uh, companies owned by some of the wealthiest people in the world. They got corporate lawyers. They got Lori Lightfoot types right. of their own. Right. So they're going to come after you. You sue them. They're coming after you. Right. They're going to open you up to deposition discovery as Jim Coogan calls it. That's what it is. And uh, so not a great strategy. No, but nobody ever, you know, he he does. He's a a one trick pony. I mean, this is how he's done it. And he thinks this is going to work. But, um, you know, the thing is, back in the old days, back in the newspaper days, they used to say that the quote was, never get in a pissing match with a man who buys his ink by the barrels. Yeah. And this is the modern day version of that. Yeah. By the way, uh, I'm getting phone calls and texts from our next guest. Robert Peters happens all the time. Uh, he's waiting for his email. We're going to bring Robert uh, Peters on as soon as he accepts his email invite uh, to join us. State Senator Robert Peters uh, from High Park. Uh, Monroe, before we bring Robert Peters on and uh, have go back to politics, really got to pick your brain about the Rachel Nichols, uh, Maria Taylor thing. Again, it's not politics per se. It's like workplace 
politics. It's workplace. No, it's, it's racial politics. Yeah. That's okay. Racial doing. workplace yeah. dynamics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let me just do the, uh, the background. So everybody knows the story. Uh, so, and it's basketball related. So I'm getting all excited. Uh, so Rachel Nichols, <laughs> Rachel Nichols is what they call a sideline reporter for ESPN. What's a sideline reporter. You ask excellent question. That's the person whose job is to roam the sidelines during a game and interview coaches at timeouts. Say, yeah, they interview, interview coaches. This is different than, and they didn't do this back in the 90s, the last time a lot of you were watching uh, basketball when the Bulls were in it. Uh, and then after the game, interview the, the player who's the star of the game. It's a very prestigious job in the world of broadcasting because you get a lot of airtime. And airtime is everything, as Monroe knows, because he was on the boob tube for about 10 years with Channel 2. You're in front of that camera, that's power. So uh, the second, uh, there's another job as the host of the post-game show. And uh, Rachel Nichols wanted to be the host of the post game show. Instead, ESPN gave that position to Maria Taylor, a black woman. Uh, so instead of just taking her lumps and not, you know, graciously and saying, congratulations, Maria, I'm here to help you in any way. Being a team player. Being a team player. Cause we've all suffered setbacks right. in our life. All of us have, we don't always get what we want. But you try to be your best. You know, you just do that deep breathing and just try to let those hate, those hateful ideas just pass in the universe. You know what? Or, or, or say it to your spouse, but not anyplace else. Yeah. So she gets on the phone with some friend of hers and goes, basically says, uh, I deserve the job, but they gave it as a diverse uh, diversity hire. In other words, they're giving it to the black woman because she's black. And unknowns to her, her, it was, uh, her conversation was picked up by an ESPN uh, recording device. She had just been finished doing a recording, so the device was still on. Somebody at ESPN heard it, and uh, <laughs> I guess ESPN cesspool that it is, they took that little tape and sent it around to everybody. And within a matter of days, Monroe, everybody at ESPN <laughs> gossip, 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 gossip. And it finally, the story broke in the New York Times. But you know, Monroe, when I read this, I'm like, no, it's just making white people look even worse than they already are. Because the biggest assertion that black people say about white people uh, in terms of white liberals, they say nice things to our face, but behind our backs, they are as bad as racist. I love Rachel Nichols. Well, almost as bad. Yeah, <laughs> this is the citrus coming out. <laughs> well, oh, the old Monroe Anderson back in the eighties. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh Monroe, what's your thoughts about this? Yeah, right. My my thoughts are that this is white privilege on on, on display because she's a white woman then she should get it. And if a black person gets it, then obviously it's because of affirmative action or something else. You know, it's, 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 it's also, it's the equivalent of with women, just we'll make it a women's issue for yeah. men. Not, not these particular women, but just a women's issue. That if a woman gets promoted to a job, she must be sleeping with somebody. Yeah. It can't be because she worked hard and has the talent and what have you, but obviously she must be sleeping with somebody to get that job. So with this one, um, it's, it's, it's not that um, 
this this one and I don't know the two women, so I can't I can't comment on that. But it must be because it's a diversity hire, and and you know and um, there there is a movement to promote more black folks, um, which it was it was it wasn't done for. Oh, uh, 400 and <laughs> one, one years, you know, <laughs> but since George Floyd, uh, got choked to death, um, with, with Chauvin's knee, there's been a, an honest reassessment of, of things. And so there's an attempt now. I don't know how, I don't know if this is a moment, a movement or just, um, a blink, but right now we appear to be trying to, um, right some of the wrongs that we've done over the centuries. Yeah. I don't, by the way, uh, that's a good riff, but I'm not sure how honest the reassessment is. Uh, there is a reassessment. Yes. Right. I'll grant you that, but well, I don't know if it's on, on well, how honest it is. Well, except no, what, if you look at commercials, you, 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 you look at, um, you, you get, you're now getting these TV series. I mean, the media is, is, is on it. I mean, it's and it, and it is some George Floyd, Foreman, uh, um, Floyd. George Floyd, and mm-hmm. it's some Black Panther. In that the Black Panthers was such a successful oh. movie that Hollywood went, oh man, <laughs> there's gold in them back here. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I uh, I hear what you're saying. I uh, I, I you know. I've been around um, white people a long time, Monroe. Yeah. I'm going to reveal something here. And um, when a white person loses a job to a black person, I'm telling you, if they don't get into college, you know what I mean? If they don't get into medical school, it's like, oh, that black guy got it. And my SAT scores are higher. And you know, I'm like, can't you just like admit that? I don't know. You just lost. You right. know what I'm saying, Monroe? Oh yeah, you know. And this is the difference between my wife Joyce and me. Is uh, when Joyce got accepted at Yale for to for, to get her MFA, she uh-huh. gets there and she she is thinking that she got there because of affirmative action and therefore was going to turn it down. When I got my um, advantages from um, Newsweek for being an intern there, I accepted it. <laughs> I didn't care why I got the job. I, I just wanted the job and to be able to advance my career as a journalist. Well, first of all, uh, the real big difference between you and your uh, wife, uh, Joyce, uh, first of all, she's an immensely talented artist, is that you'll come on my show and she won't. I just have to take that opportunity. <laughs> then I'm too busy. Uh, yeah, she's but, smarter than I am. <laughs> but my advice, we're going to bring on Robert Peters. He's joined us. I'm going to bring him on. Uh, we'll talk, we'll shift it back to politics, I'm sure, uh, for State Senator Robert Peters. But my advice to young black people everywhere, not that any of them would take any advice from me because why would anybody take advice from me? Don't, who cares? Right. I mean, exactly. who freaking, do you think some rich kid who gets, gets into Harvard because his dad gave money to Harvard is crying over it? 
You hear me, Monroe? I oh, mean, yeah, of course not. Hey, man, it's no, tough out there. Right. No, and that's white privilege is that, oh, I'm white. Therefore, I deserve to be here. I'm white. I'm rich. My, my daddy's successful. That I deserve to be here. Whereas uh, when, you know, Harold Washington uh, told me many, many, many years ago, obviously, since he's been dead as long as he has, but when I was covering City Hall, he told me that the difference between a black politician, now this was back then, but the mm-hmm. difference between a black politician and a white politician is that if you're black and you were running for something, then it was it became black versus white. Whereas if you were any other ethnic group, uh, particularly in the white community, then it was Irish versus whoever, yeah. or Greek versus whoever, but black politicians were, were burdened with being put in, in a black column, and therefore all the other politicians who weren't black were white, and that was a disadvantage. Well, I, I learned that. Everything I learned about race, I learned in Chicago. What a horrible place to learn about race. It's like a pit. It's like Soldier Hospital. Cook County Hospital. You want to learn how to, the military sit there, medical people there, to learn how to treat gun wounds because they knew that there would be plenty of uh, chances for their their people to learn how to how to to fix gun wounds because it was so much shooting. Well, if I needed a lesson in uh, the fact that uh, white people distinguish between blacks and Jews, I got it in 1983 when Harold Washington ran against Bernie Epton, and right. all these white people were voting for him. And they would, oh my God, ladies and gentlemen, you should hear the anti-Jewish stuff that would come out of their mouth. But they're still voting for him, right? You exactly. know, they, they, yeah. you know, oh my God, damn! And Bernie Epton actually believed they liked him, Monroe. You know what I mean? Right. I oh, could have yeah, gotten no. those votes. I yeah. would just sitting at home. Yeah. No, there's one, 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 one other people from the south. Uh, West Side said uh, they were voting for that Epstein character. Yeah, Epstein. They, they didn't know his name, but they knew he was Jewish and he wasn't black. They knew he was uh, he wasn't black. Is right, the key exactly uh, right? Right. All right. Let's bring on the distinguished state senator uh, from the Hyde Park area, Robert Peters. Robert, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I don't know if I would say I'm distinguished, but I appreciate it. Well, you're distinct. Anybody who comes to my show is distinguished. Uh, And uh, much, much to talk about uh, with you about politics. Monroe and I were just having a spirited conversation about the politics of race in the workplace. Uh, We're talking about Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor. And I'm sure uh, you want to transition out of that into uh, uh, discussion about issues in Illinois and Chicago, unless there's something you're dying to say about that particular issue. Is there anything you want to add about that particular issue, Robert? Uh, the only thing I'll just add is say that um, the way we view meritocracy in this country is filled with contradictions. And, um, you know, there, there's a story about Clarence Thomas being so ashamed of affirmative action. And I think he went to Yale, I believe, and he refuses to look at his Yale law, you know, de- degree. And um, meritocracy does not truly exist. And for if you're black, you have to live with that sort of double standard of merit and to, I don't know, am I allowed to curse on this thing? Yes, I mean, it's a I'm, podcast. Uh, I'll, I'll just add, and I'll just say, fuck that, you know, yeah. and uh, we don't need to, I, I, I always, 
up until my mid twenties, I was always worried about meritocracy. And then, um, after my dad passed away, I sort of rejected it because, um, it doesn't actually exist. Uh, no, it doesn't exist. Now, before we leave this, uh, Monroe made a good point to me before we went on the air. Uh, and he says, the, really the only venue that meritocracy exists in is competitive sports. Uh, either you can uh, hit you the shot the, or get right. the rebound or so you, you can't. Get the, you got the numbers or you don't have them. Yeah. Yes. You know. And I would say, like, if you look, it, it, what's so interesting here is that, um, and then we'll move from this, but Rachel Nichols, whose last name is Nichols because she married someone who's the son, I believe of Mike Nichols complaining about meritocracy is, uh, and the fact that someone did or did not earn something, um, is a type of double standard that just should not exist. Uh, and I think Monroe is right, you know, uh, or you both are right, which is the idea of the moment that someone who has that level of privilege doesn't get something. They all of a sudden, lean on meritocracy but um just look at the the school you know that issue with the rich parents who are sending their kids to private schools and cheating on the tests and all that stuff i mean it's just an example to show that there's a there's there's something always deep down in puritan uh or calvinist about america even if you're not a practicing calvinist look at me getting nerdy Uh, and theological yeah don't get don't go there and uh just final thought on this one folks if you don't get something you don't want and somebody gets it over you. And I say this from experience. <laughs> you know what? Take the high road. I just take, try to be gracious. You know. Uh, oh, that's so democratic of you. <laughs> I know. Don't be like Bill. Remember how Bill Clinton was crying like a little baby when Barack Obama beat Hillary? Remember that? Yeah. You know? Uh, just, again, that's white privilege at play. You know, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, white privilege. You know, it's like. They were supposed to win because they were white and there was no black president before. Yeah. All right. Speaking of Barack Obama, uh, he held the state Senate seat that uh, Robert Peters now holds. So it's a perfect transition. Uh, And uh, Robert got a whole list of things I want to talk to you about. Uh, I'm going to talk, ask you about elected school board. It was, it's on my mind. It's a topic on my mind. It was, uh, we were discussing it last night at the hideout at our first Tuesday show with your colleagues, uh, state Senator Robert Markwick uh, and house member uh, Delia Ramirez. Uh, so the House and the Senate passed an elected school board bill. You voted for it. You've always been for it, as far as I know. Yep. And um, Mayor Lori Lightfoot and uh, the corporate uh, leaders of Chicago are vehemently against it. Uh, when Rob and Delia were talking about the kind of shenanigans that went down in Springfield, I hate to say I was shocked, Robert, because I'm an old guy and I'm, nothing shocks me anymore. But I was like, God damn, it's so much dishonesty. When it comes to political arguments, do you follow what I'm saying? Like they set up these phony issues about immigration, uh, about salaries. Uh, they, what is it? Straw man to, arguments? Is that the, uh, yes, the term? Straw man arguments? Yes. Yes. Uh, so talk a little bit about uh, the, the debate, as it were, over the elected school board and the politics behind the scenes on this matter. Well, I mean, the first thing I'll say is what I find so fascinating, um, particularly about the Trump era, is how many people complained about democracy and representation and, you know, rules and the voices of the people, you know, and by the people and for the people. And, 
you know, Marwick and uh, organizations and teachers and community members are like, we want to bring that type of participa- participation and democracy to our education in Chicago. And people are like, we can't trust people to make decisions about their schools. We need some expert um, to like really overlook this. And sure, we have decades of immense failure, but trust us, you don't want more democracy. And it's it's just like, it, the fact that that is a thing that people do and they, they either know it and they choose to ignore it or they don't realize it, it just, it always blew my mind. The argument against the expansion of democracy, particularly in education, after most people were talking about how great they are, you know, as a Democrat defending democracy against Donald Trump. And one way is in which you can make an argument against democracy is by seeding a sort of reactionary distrust. And you're right. There were just a series of strawman, strawman arguments being made over and over again. Um, a bunch of uh, sort of political traps that they knew were going to take a long time to have to get done uh, in, in the broader, you know, like in terms of the where the public is at, it was basically uh, to, to slow everything down uh, to a crawl, um, you know, negotiations going here and there. We, I had no clue, you know, there was a supposed cone of silence. You know, I wanted to learn more and, uh, you know, Martwick to his credit was like, I'm not allowed to really talk about it. And, um, and he was, he was practicing good faith, except for some reason there was stuff happening to us. Like, um, you know, getting direct mail and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't mean mail. It was basically tell them, tell legislators to negotiate. Uh, but how would that have happened if we're talking about operating, you know, trying to keep things a little bit inside, you know, sort of mixing the ingredients before we're ready to make something really go out publicly. And then there was this idea of like um, the coalition was, you know, this is something that you saw from, um, the anti-school board people, the coalition made too many demands, except the fact that the coalition for, you know, over a decade, basically, uh, have been basically doing the same demand over and over again. They're not doing too many demands. They're just going to a thing that they've been putting out there for years. Um, but it's always easier to punch left than to do what's right. And so I think the school board was really sort of an example of what makes people frustrated by the legislative process what makes people not trust uh, the legislative process and uh, representative democracy. And um, I think it just goes to show that movements, you know, actually building the power to elect their own people helped make the elected school board happen down in Springfield uh, with, you know, more and more folks who are bought into a movement politics in the house and the Senate. Uh, And I think to me, the biggest point of pride, isn't just the fact that we're going to have an elected school board, um, but we can show that uh, the progressive movement um, is not, you know, we're not just a bunch of heady bunch. We deeply believe in organizing and uh, movement politics. Was there ever a moment, Robert, when uh, you were listening to the debate and they, and I'm agree with you as a great uh, straw man arguments is exactly what they were uh, arguments put up to be knocked down. Uh, and or when they, they, they those nonsensical uh, 
uh, direct mailings that you alluded to, which uh, nobody understood <laughs> what the purpose. Nobody understood the theme of them. I've we like we talked about them a lot on the like. What is this thing? I, you know, uh, was there ever a moment when you th- doubted, like they the other side convinced you? that eh, maybe they have a point. Maybe we should just continue to let the mayor have complete control over school board appointees and essentially control the schools. Did you ever have a moment of doubt during all this? No. I mean, to be very honest with you, um, and uh, maybe uh, Senator Martwick can um, uh, shine a light better on this. I was uh, very angry. uh, And um, I come from the belief that uh, in politics that when you try to play 4D chess and you try to be secretive and you try to look holier than thou, that you're so disingenuous. I don't really respect it. I'm like, put it on, uh, put the cards on the table and may the best uh, side win here. I, I trust our organizing. I trust our arguments. I trust our ability to get this done. And to me, it was like, we're, if, if, they, if they, they're going to try to play all these games, fine. I don't care. Like I was very much like, let's get this done. Um, and there are some times where I don't necessarily operate that way, but in this instance, like it was one of those things like where you could say, put it on the board, like dare people to vote against an elected school board, dare Chicagoans to vote against elected school board, dare people who have elected school boards where they have their districts to vote against Chicago, have an elected school board. And like, let's, let's, let's put it on the board. And so, you know, Martwick being, uh, you know, fair and level-headed, negotiated it. Uh, it's not perfect. There are people who have been fighting this forever who don't like the delayed implementation. But um, I, I, I was of the belief that we needed to get this done. Uh, so many of us, you know, you know, alongside Martwick, you know, Senator Kino and uh, Senator Villavalum and uh, uh, Sen- Senator Villanueva, we we all sort of knew that we needed to get this done. I think the concern for me um, wasn't the other arguments being made. Like, I'll give you an argument. I'll, I'll point out an argument that drove me nuts that I, I doesn't get talked enough about. But the arguments about campaign finance. So you heard over and over again, capping how much can be spent in an election. But you can't do that. And a whole bunch of lawyers who loved, I'm not a lawyer, so they love to talk like lawyers to me. They, you know, they, they speak another language to me seem to all of a sudden forget about the Supreme Court and Citizens United. And they kept yeah. making this argument about, oh, we got, you know, what about spending? And I'm like, oh, I mean, I didn't know yeah, that I, me, a non-lawyer, remember Citizen United. I mean, I hate it too, but I, we can't do, what are we supposed to do about this? And then I thought, okay, well, if you're worried about spending, well, you then you must be a big fan of publicly financed elections. But I, you know, I was telling people like, yeah, I think publicly financed elections are great. I hate calling people for money. So let's, let's do publicly financed elections. If you really believe that money and politics is a problem, everyone should have publicly financed elections. So I'm excited to see all these people who were concerned about outside influence and money and politics, every one of them that made that argument to come out for publicly financed elections. And I'm willing to talk to them. I pushed this as an organizer. There's the New York style, which is a six to one match or the Seattle style, which does a voucher system. And so for all these supposed experts uh, who went after the school board over money and politics, I can't wait for them to drop a bill that gives us publicly financed elections in the state of Illinois. It'll be, it'll be amazing. It'll be beautiful. 
That's a great riff. It'll never happen. Uh, Monroe and I both know it. Uh, the same powers that be that were are raising that argument uh, about uh, financing uh, school board elections are the ones who pump thousands and thousands of dollars uh, into the campaigns of people like Bruce Rauner and the, the opposition to the fair tax. So we all know where it's going. They're probably going to be giving money to Lori Lightfoot uh, uh, as we head down the road. All right. You mentioned New York. Uh, and this is a perfect opportunity. I held back on this discussion with Monroe uh, to bring you in on it. Uh, Eric Adams uh, yesterday was declared the winner of the Democratic primary for mayor of New York. He'll run against Curtis Sliwa. Uh, for old people like me and Monroe, we know who he is. He's the head of the Gardening Angels uh, back in the day in the 70s and the 80s. He's a big public. He's a celebrity he's of sorts. He's wearing his red uh, uh, Guardian Angels cap. Yes, he is. And and, uh, yes. And Monroe and I uh, have in our closets our guardian angels. Uh, yes, we do. Uh, <laughs> no, but back in it, believe it or not, uh, there was a moment uh, in the 80s, uh, Robert, when the uh, guardian angels uh, came to Chicago. I don't know if you remember that, Monroe. But uh, I know the, 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 they rode the train, right? Yes. They were the, yeah. That's his big issue, crime on trains. Yeah. So anyway, I don't believe uh, Curtis Lee will, has a chance against Eric Adams. But Eric Adams, uh, as we've, we've been talking about, about him a lot in the show as a black man. He's the uh, president of the Brooklyn Barrow. Uh, he's a former police officer, and he ran a very uh, interesting campaign saying uh, he was going to get tough law and order, uh, and he cared very deeply about uh, cracking down a crime. At the same time, as a black man, he realized uh, that police had all, often gone overboard, to put it mildly, uh, arresting black people, beating them up, etc. and he's going to put an end to that. So it was an interesting way of walking a very delicate line, Robert Peters. He was elected and he has said since he got elected that Democrats should wake up and take a look at my results and see that my results speak to the future where the Democratic Party should go. And I've been holding back on asking this question of Monroe because I want to bring you in on the conversation. So we'll start with you, Robert. Do you agree with Eric Adams that his election uh indicates that Democrats have to be heading on a diff- in a different way on the matters of law and order and crime. Go ahead. I will first say, I want to note that New York elected Eric Adams to be the Democratic nominee, and Buffalo elected India Walton, a community organizer, a member of DSA, to be the Democratic nominee, um, who ran on a far more progressive platform for Buffalo in a Rust Belt city. And I think what we're what we're actually talking about is that um, a few things. Eric Adams is right, and India Walton in Buffalo, right? And I think everybody's right. People have concerns about public safety, and it's also important to note that some of these concerns are compounding issues. In which the fact that in response, this is last year, in response to the BLM movement. There is a right-wing talking point about crime that has grown more and more. And that only heightens more and more people's feelings about something that they really actually feel, but then it continues to get heightened more and more. And I think at the end of the day, we do need to make sure that we talk about public safety. And that doesn't need to be law and order. I think what Eric Adams benefits from is a combination of things. Yes, there is the there's a sheer identitarian politics that has to actually be addressed. Like we can't, we can't sidestep that. There's B, he's also an established politician who was really good at retail politics. This is one thing I've learned about uh, the New York mayor's race is that he is not, um, 
he's not a quote unquote outsider. He is someone who's been in those seats, goes to picket lines. He talks to people, even if he doesn't agree with them, he's having a conversation with them. And three, he understood the issue uh, of importance on public safety, even if you don't agree with it. And he, it's important to know that he did not get like 58%. He got a large enough base. <laughs> he combined that together to win the nomination. I think that's an important part to all of this is you can overread on his messaging or you can look at the context of his history, of his reading of the moment, what he actually got in vote totals, uh, and and say, okay, what we know is that the public, is, they want to have somebody they can trust. right? Eric Adams is who Eric Adams is. This is another thing. Even though he might have some issues where he might have actually lived in New Jersey, his personality is who his personality is, right? Like those, he is... He did the awkward, um, your kid might be hiding drugs under the pillow video uh, a couple months ago. But that is who he is. So they they want your authenticity on who you are. They want to know that you have some experience and that you do care about the well-being of New York, you know, of New Yorkers. But to be honest with you, this is a warning for every city of people who live uh, in their communities who feel like they're having some issues with public safety and they want to see that dealt with. And I think that goes the same with India Walton. She was not, she has experience organizing. She made that very clear. She said she's, she is who she is. And she was, she spoke very directly on a public safety message. It was an extremely progressive message, but it was rooted in the idea that people aren't getting the safety they need in Buffalo. And I think when we look at these pieces, you look at that, you look at Larry Craster in Philadelphia, uh, Gassion in LA, um, what we're seeing is whether you are progressive left or progressive right, the argument, the concerns are, are you dealing with people's safety and are you authentically yourself? Monroe, that's an interesting point uh, that Robert made, a distinction between authenticity and ideology and that authenticity in many cases trumps ideology. If you are who you say you are, like the Supreme Court is who we said they were. They showed that last week. If you are who you say you are, people would be willing, if they trust you, that you're real, they'll be willing to put aside uh, ideological differences they may have with you. I found myself doing this, Robert Peters, with Eric Adams. He would have been my number two vote. And I only would wouldn't would number I only wouldn't have gone number one for him because of all my kids and their friends were giving me such grief that I fell for it. So uh, I, I said, all right, my, Wiley would be my first vote. Monroe, do you agree with that, that authenticity trumps ideology to, to a certain degree? Um, th- that's a factor. I won't dismiss it. But, um, <laughs> you know, he just barely won. So I mean, you can't say, I mean, I mean it, was, it, it really was a squeaker by the time they finished counting. I think it was 8,000 and some votes or something he, he won by. So in New York City. So, I mean, that's not a mandate. And, no. he's, and, and, and he's calling it a mandate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I squeaked by, I squeaked through. This is how, this is how America is, and that's this is how everybody should be doing everywhere else. So, yeah. you know, it's uh, the, 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 the Buffalo election was, was more impressive as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, in the wall. I mean, if we're gonna yeah. make that sort of argument, that we ought to say, well, the Dems ought to be socialists. Yeah, <laughs> being the Republicans light, a mega light, or something. It just, just go, go for the gusto. 
that is a great point, man. He, he pulled that. That's very Trump. Trump lost the election. Robert Peters. He got less votes than Hillary Clinton, but then he acted like he got a sweeping right. mandate to do whatever he wanted. <laughs> well, I think that's a lesson, right? I think this is, I say this as a, as a lefty, um, is, you know, I, I, one of the things that concerns me is being, and I, I get it sometimes is being insecure in your political place. And I think that well, I preach about India Walton, um, not only winning is that she's, she's shown some swagger and confidence. I mean, she's making statements that are just like, they're not, they're not necessarily bold for the sake of bold. She's not performing. She's just being herself. while she, she says it, which is great because she's saying, I am who I am. Right. I know what I'm doing and I'm ready to take this on. And I think it's really good. It's interesting, interesting to see what's happening in Buffalo and what's happening in New York, because again, I think Monroe's right. What India Walton did is more impressive because I think the idea is it's not just authenticity, Ben. I think it's authenticity and ideology, but what, and I think that what's important is that um, Eric Adams ideology on public safety right now is a mixed bag, right? I think that this is, it is, and I think particularly for us, you know, for myself and a few people who are on the left, is we're trying to make the argument that public safety is not, like the right does not have a monopoly on what it means to keep us safe, which is great. But now we're in a period as more and more people are saying we're arguing for public safety, that the definition of what public safety is to people is a little bit more muddled. And so if, the, the, the key part, and I think India Walton says this clearly, and I think even Eric Ghetto says this clearly, is that when you're talking about public safety, don't sound like some sort of weird nonprofit sort of academic mumbo right. jumbo. Be clear right. and direct. Well, I, I could tell you. Uh, and, 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 you know, what compounds this then is the shootings. Uh, and this is national, it's not just Chicago. But you have all these 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 guns going off, and and uh, people getting caught in crossfire, and so that's the concern. And you know, I, I I talk to friends of mine who talk about the South Side and how it's it, it's it's going to be making this rebound, um, and I tell them it won't be making the rebound until they figure out what to do about the guns, because nobody wants to live where they could get accidentally murdered. And, um, you know, that's just, if you have a choice, then you got to get out of there. Robert Peters, your uh, thoughts on what Monroe just said. I think that, um, the, the, yeah, my, my belief is that the issue of public safety is actually extremely simple and it's too politically difficult for people or they don't ideologically believe it. And therefore it's our biggest barrier. I mean, let's just do Chicago. Let's ignore other areas, but we can get into that. Chicago segregation is inherently bad for public safety. Yeah. We use police as a blue wall for segregation. So we, all these people who are like, man, I can't believe Trump's trying to build a wall. They'll also say in the same breath, honestly, we don't think those people should be in our area though. Um, and it's like, you can't put up a sign that says so-and-so is welcomed here. And then not at all really practice it. And I think so Chicago segregation is a is is a key barrier here. It's not just you know segregated by race, but it's race and class. It is yeah. poor black folks, poor Latinx uh, folks who are uh, literally 
not only segregated off and walled off by a blue wall and by infrastructure, it could be a freeway, right? It could be a train walled off. Then at the same time, you've seen schools close, food deserts, low wages, uh, disinvestment on the public transportation side, high uh, regressive taxation, and high rates of evictions, hospital closures. And then people are like, why are these, why don't, why doesn't anybody like respect anything anymore? It's like, well, society stopped respecting them. Why, why wouldn't nihilism set in? Why, like, what do you think is going to happen? And if you want to fix this, then you're going to have to build all the things that you've taken away from people's communities. And you're going to have to break down the uh, race, racial and economic um, segregation that exists in the city. And when you say all that, you go, oh, no, it's actually really individual problems and nothing systemic. And I think that no matter where you live in Chicago, no matter the zip code, um, you're never going to get this figured out because uh, unless you truly confront that on a systemic level. And so I'll finish by my long rant. I'll finish this because I'm wordy. And I'll finish this and just say that people, uh, you know, my ideal, ideolo- ideologically are more committed to public safety than people on the more reactionary side, because we know that the closer there's a hospital, a school, a grocery store, childcare and good pay and a roof over your head, the more that's closer to you and your ability to get it, the more likely not only are you the adult safer, your child is safer. And they have the other part about this is that the more that they, they believe that the community they live in is something worth fighting for over and over again. That is a fact. I grew up with a mom who was a raging alcoholic. My dad worked so hard to try to figure out how to keep us, you know, in, you know, to stay in that home. We moved from place to place because my parents basically just decided to live by debt and all of that. And at the other time, the only thing that made me even feel like, and I lived in Hyde Park, so I, I already had a, 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 love, a number of privileges there. But the thing that made me care so much about my community was the fact that I had a friend who was able to provide me a place to go when I couldn't go home because I didn't feel comfortable for it and taught me that that is what it means to have community. And that is what it means to look out for people in a time of need. And right now what we have is a city. uh, And this is because of 40 years of an economic and social program of neoliberalism that has shut the door so that when people need something, they don't have the home to go to even if it's not their own. Well, that was, uh, I wouldn't call it a, a rant. I call it a riff. Go ahead, Monroe. Yeah. Uh, Robert, what's interesting uh, about that is that Leon Dupree, that alderman way back when, said that uh, Hyde Park was the only community he knew in Chicago where middle-class blacks and middle-class whites got together to keep poor blacks out. <laughs> yeah, that's that funny because... I didn't know that was Leon Dupree. I know that uh, Adolph Reed, the academic, has also said a similar thing before. So, uh, yes, I've done, yeah, I've heard that before. Sorry, Monroe, I cut you off. Keep going. No, it's okay. No, no, he was going to make that wise point. It, that that line has been used by many people. Let's just give it to uh, Leon Dupree. What the hell? Uh, he was a great alderman. He deserves it. It's a clever uh, line. Uh, and it's uh, I first heard it from a guy named John McDermott, my, my first boss here in Chicago, Monroe, uh, yeah. who had a just he loved tweaking liberals <laughs> loved it and uh and he lived in high park uh actually good man john mcdermott anyway uh robert 
I, I told you I was going to ask you about this, and uh, and so I will. Um, I voted for Lori Lightfoot twice. Voted for her twice. Monroe's nodding. You go, you remember, yeah. Uh, she came to the hideout, told me everything my little uh, lefty heart wanted to hear. She hasn't done any of it. <laughs> so I'm as dumb as every other Chicago when I make fun of uh, Robert Peters. Uh I'm disappointed to put it mildly uh, with Lori Lightfoot's first two years in office. And I, I say this knowing I could just see Monroe about to say this. I know I realize that she got hit with a wicked curveball with the pandemic. So I uh, acknowledge that. Uh, and the, t- the $2 billion debt or whatever it is, how, how, however many dollars it is, obscene yeah. amount of money. Uh, well, every mayor just deals with that by kicking a can down the road. But anyway, uh, what's been your uh, attitude about uh, your thoughts on Lori Lightfoot's first two years uh, in office as our mayor? Oh, my God. And you're asking me a question where a few people are definitely going to be like, oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> I, I have, I have can't win with this sides. One. I have okay. friends on both sides. Uh, no, um the uh yeah i mean the way i will put it um is that well let me first start off i like talking to the mayor um about things like sports or life um you you can tell that she really enjoys those things i'm sure similarly she would have i bet amazing hot takes on um, movies that I would, um, you know, like to talk to her about. But um, I think that one of the more uh, difficult um, pieces with the mayor is, um, and I say this, is that she has power. Um, Everyone knows she has power. You're the mayor of Chicago. You are powerful. You don't need to prove it to anybody that you are powerful. Uh, that you can fuck with any of us at any moment. You don't need to show it to people. You don't need to brag to people. You have it. And one of the things that um, is difficult is that she feels the need to um, show you up. Um, She feels the need uh, to show people that she's given it to them. Uh, I don't know where that comes from. That's not for me. Insecurity. That's that's a sign of insecurity. Like you use a little pop psychology. Just you know, she she's sure she's lesbian, she's black, and she's taken a a a, a lot of um, punishment, uh, prejudice over the years because of those factors. And she's had to show people back then. So that's her default position right now. I mean, it will be the rest of her life. I don't think she's going to change. I mean, she, I, and I think like, uh, you know, I, I get it. It's difficult. I mean, I got asked, um, pretty recently and I can't remember who or when I think I got asked, um, if I got bullied when I was in high school and grade school and I was like, fuck yes. I got bullied so much. What are you (laughs) talking about? Have you seen me? I walk funny. I talk funny. I was not the smartest person in the world. I, you know, I'm really good at throwing a football, but if you're trying to get me to run, it's not going to be fast. I was like, I got my ass beat. I was like, and, you know, like, like, and 
the thing I learned, it's like a thing when you when you get bullied, there's a few things that happen. It's A, you're gonna you say I'm gonna become so powerful, I'm gonna show you who's boss. And or B, which I've perfected the art of, is that you have a really good sense of humor and you try to joke when you meet the bully when I in Catholic school, when the big football player came up to me and they book checked me, I would make some sort of stupid joke to be like, Leave me alone and you develop these sort of things. And the key part for me is and it took me a long time to get there, is I know it, I get it. I feel it and I don't give a shit. You know, like that is, I am who I am. I was someone who was bullied. I have a biting sense of humor because of it. Sometimes it can actually go bad. It can go south and people will make a joke and people don't like it. And I'm, I have to realize that I have to apologize for that. Um, and I think that uh, out of everything, not just on a, you know, policy side of things. Um, and I get it. You know, we've had, Daily and Rom, uh, and you know, they weren't known for having the softest touch. Uh, you know, they weren't known as the most approachable people here. And so there's a lot of things here in which, um, a lot of men who, who were assholes at press conferences or assholes during, um, uh, on the political side of things got away with it in some way, not fully. I think Rom, uh, spinned it to look like, a, an example of leadership, um, that definitely ruffled p- people enough to the point where he had a runoff in 2015. But uh, the other part about this is it. sometimes you don't need, you are the mayor, you are powerful. We all know you have the capability of showing us how much power you have. I know for a fact, uh, I would not be surprised if she just doesn't like me and I have to deal with those consequences. And I have to make those decisions. She's the mayor got in with a huge majority. She has a strong base. I have to think before I say things like this, mm-hmm. what, what's the impact here? And you know what? That's power. That is, that is power. When someone has to actually, when you can live in someone's head, even for the smallest second, you have power. And to me, I think that's ultimately the, the, the things that I find to be an issue. And, you know, I, I, I think, you know, there's, I, you know, and I had a, a tweet spat uh, on Twitter that, got in the Tribune about her at a basketball game and I saw her act and I, I tweeted about it because she kind of threatened political retribution against people who support an elected school board and then tried to talk about democracy prevailing. Um, and it's just, let's just, let's just chill. All right. We got a lot going on in the city. Let's chill. Let's get it done. Let's grind it out. People are scared about getting shot. They're worried about their, you know, the water they drink and let's just, let's just get through that. And, uh, let's not try to be the, you know, the, the people who are trying to flex on people all the time. It's too much going on. We're all too exhausted and, uh, we got big. Uh, Robert, someone, I was going to just steal this line, Monroe. Someone told me something today, very insightful, but my conscience will not allow me to steal this line. So the person who told me this was Robert Peters before we went on the air. Robert, I, I was going to steal your line, okay? But I couldn't do it. I just could not do it. Uh, you, you can do it. He's more you can do it. stealing mine, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a good I artist. I just take you know people's I mean? lines, man. And <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, mean, I appreciate yeah. he knows a good line when he hears it. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that, by the way, there's more to it than yeah. That's an art in itself, knowing a good line. 
<laughs> but Robert Peters told me this today, Monroe. Yes. And I wrote it down when he said it. He was going on one of these riffs that he goes on. And he was talking about Ron, uh, who I everybody knows. I totally opposed every freaking thing he did as mayor, pretty much. Terrible mayor, in my humble opinion. Rom had a reputation for being a, a total asshole, but that was not so much based on public displays of assholeism, if there is such a word, as in the carefully manipulated leaking of anecdotes about how he behaved behind the scenes. And so he built this reputation for himself as being this just cutthroat, diabolically evil, unafraid to do whatever he has to do to get something done. Machiavellian operative that the dummies in the city of Chicago just lapped up like it was, you know, M&M. I didn't say dummies. What's that? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't I say dummies. Gonna... I didn't say dummies. <laughs> no, he didn't. That's not, that was bad. I don't believe that that's, was... you, that's a Ben Trotsky line of ever. Right. That's how it becomes his lie. He interjects a word and then it's no longer yours. <laughs> Nobody like, I didn't say. It's true. Robert Peters never called the voters dummies. That's what Ben said. I don't says. believe that. I, you already know. We've talked about this over the last year. I do not believe. That's a Ben Jarofsky viewpoint, not a Peter's viewpoint. All right, back to you, Ben. All right. But anyway, I'm like, that is so true. Minus the dummy line. That is so true, Monroe. Think about it. So Rom didn't have to do. Lori Lightfoot feels compelled to come off the podium and confront Jeanette Taylor. By the way, you should apologize to all the women Taylor, Mayor Lightfoot. You know you're out of bounds. She feels compelled to do that. Rom didn't have to do that because he had manufactured 20 years spending manufacturing this BS. I don't know this this image of himself as this tough guy. And so what do you think about that, Monroe? I think that uh, that was I think that's pretty insightful. What do you what do you think? And I, I think it is, you know, but this is I mean, this is why Trump has his appeal also is that. People want a strong leader. They don't want somebody that's wishy washy. You know, they 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 talk about authentic. Uh, they want somebody that they feel they know where they're coming from or what they're going to do. They, 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 and if, if, if they like what they see, that's what they want. And so Rom had his, his, his group. We weren't among it. Um, Trump has his. We're not among those. <laughs> <laughs> Harold has his, had his. We were there, but he's dead. So we're looking for uh, another uh, meeting people like us. I'm looking for a leader like that from from a progressive point of view. I, I also yeah. will add that I think that Rom's playbook is very much something that you see in D.C., uh, which is, I think people do it here, but they do it very well in D.C., which is, you know, you know, publicly you're like, I'm trying to work with people. And they're, look at them. Look, they're not being reasonable. Look at me. I'm trying. That's my thing. I work a deal. I'm the deal guy. And then, you know, leaked information will be like, he told them that they're going to fucking take this deal. And that was, <laughs> that, that's, that's how he crafted that. That's a DC developed. And he knew, he knew that narrative. And the, the thing that I would say about 
Lori that I always, this is my feeling and it goes with a lot of people is that generally, and this was, this isn't just, just her, just federal prosecutors and prosecutors in general, um, aren't known to like to go to court. They hate court. Court sucks. If they could get the deal done and they could bully you into the deal, you know, as I like to say, the plea deal before they ever get you to go to court, that's their thing. So the very idea of having to go to court is nightmarish. It, it, you know, so it's like, you're an idiot, take the deal, blah, blah, blah. And I think that it's just a different style and a different approach and it works. One works very well in one space and one doesn't work in, you know, and it, and, and it doesn't work in other spaces. And I think that's a thing that we see. And I think that's a thing that exists a lot is that, um, and this is, you know, I say this a lot about work, uh, as an organizer and legislators, I always say, take them to courts. If they don't look like they're going to be comfortable in that arena, then take them to that arena. I can't believe I'm saying this out loud right now. <laughs> I can't believe it either. Jesus. Just take them to court. Like anybody thinks they're the smartest, best person. They do that all the time. Cool. Let's take it to another arena. Let's do it. And I think that's a thing that what we're looking at is that a lot of people are saying we're going to take you to the space and you know, it's not the most comfortable. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a good place uh, to end the conversation. Take it to court. <laughs> Don't take me to court. Anybody. Uh, anyway, uh, Robert Peters, uh, I, I had to give you credit for that line cause I probably will uh, quote it, uh, in my next column. Uh, cause I'm going to be addressing this. I, I, I find it interesting and it's true. I'm pretty much the only one who calls the citizens of Chicago, uh, dummies or whatever for having elected how many times did they vote for mayor daily five times monroe uh rom twice twice for rom oh my god he put the sweater on come on robert you know somewhere in the back of your mind when you think about rom putting that sweater on and people go oh, i kind of like him with the sweater you know this come on robert no, Peters. no 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 you have to understand let me just point this out a elections for municipal elections are ridiculously low voter turnout runoffs oh, yes. are even lower. And the other part to remember is that, um, before, you know, everything that went down in his term, I mean, there was something we all somewhat felt this admirableness. There was a lot of people like Rom has something about being tough and taking it on. That is at least admirable until it became obnoxious. And I think that yeah. for a good chunk of people that, that, that existed, uh, the other part is um, we realize that he actually isn't someone who's going to actually take you on face on. He's going to go through like 800 different channels and slowly stab you with them. Uh, Cause he actually, the, the whole idea of, and I think he crafted this image at his peak when he was chief of staff for Obama. And it was that scene about him, in the he was at the club at the club and he confronted a Republican and they were in the shower and he was like in their face being like I'm in charge and he used that to be like look at me as this tough guy but that's actually not I mean if someone did that to me I'm not gonna lie I would just I would laugh I I mean I laugh <laughs> I laugh every yeah. time when I see someone do that I'm just like what do you like if you're gonna be a tough guy and get in my face, you gotta really get in my face. But if you're yeah. gonna do this, like, what are we, what are we talking about here? So I, I, I just think that um, it, it's all, it's all facets, different plays, and um, I think this is the, 
yeah, there's, there's differences between uh, Rob and Lord. Well, let me, you know, I've never asked Monroe this, so I'm going to put him on the spot. Monroe. Yeah. Uh, listening to everything that Robert uh, just said and what I've been saying, was there ever a moment in the eight years that Rom was among us, God help us all, uh, as our mayor and a mayoral candidate, when you ever felt remotely attracted uh, to his spiel and find yourself going, yeah, you know, I kind of like this guy. Was there ever a moment when it well, appealed yeah, to you? Know, there was never a, a moment where I kind of liked him, but I was impressed the way he developed the riverfront. You know, other politicians would have waited and gone through all this stuff. He just said, fuck it. <laughs> and and let, let them build, you know, it's good for the city uh, internationally. You know, and he, and he was a corporationalist. I wrote about that for the, at the Defender. I've said it on your show. I mean, that's, he, that's what he was and that's what he did. That wasn't anything that, I particularly was backing, yeah. but uh, but the actually the the whole the whole riverfront idea is is something that Mayor Daly talked about, but didn't do it. The first Daly, Daddy Daly, talked about you know he's going to have it where you could fish in Chicago, go fishing, yeah. in Chicago River. You know, um, Rom pulled it off. I, I, I know this architect who moved to Kansas, and. Um, I, I, I had a picture on my Facebook wall of, of, of um, uh, not canoers, um, kayak, uh, kayak, is that how Kayak? Kayak. Kayak. Yeah. Kayaking on the Chicago River, which they do now. Yeah. And this, this architect was on the board of the Friends of the Chicago River. And he said to me, he said, this, he, he's left town now, retire. But he said, this is how we envisioned it that you'd be able to actually kayak on the Chicago River. All right, let me just say this before you go any further. Yeah. Robert Peters, you should know this about Monroe Inner. He's not from Chicago. He's from Gary, Indiana. But he's been here so long, he's starting to talk like a Chicago. And and Gary is almost as much a suburb as Everson. (laughs) For for the illiterate, they don't know. (laughs) Geographically, it's a seven-mile distance between the two. Hey, man. I, I border I border right there on the Indiana border. My district goes down there, and uh, I used to go to the uh, Gary Steelheads, I believe, baseball game yes. over there once yeah. in a while. No. Uh, yeah. But my point in saying he's from Gary is that he had common sense when he was in Gary. But he's lived in Chicago so long, he's starting to sound like a Chicagoan. <laughs> so the bar is so low with Chicagoans. Like, he built the riverfront. Well, look at <laughs> You know, you know, I still have neighbors. You know, the nine needed to be developed. The yeah, but part. so what? I mean, if I think of all the horrific things that happened in the city of Chicago, thanks to Rom in those eight years, and I balance that against the riverfront, I'm like, the scale is down here on the ground. It's like I got I got neighbors to this day, Monroe. Yes. We in the nineties we had uh, the Asian longhorn. Remember that the beetle that infected oh, trees yeah. on the yeah, north yeah, side. Yeah, wiped out half the other. Yeah, wiped out. And Mayor Daly goes, "I'm going to replant all those trees." Like he he literally was going to come to the, and roll up his sleeves and do it. Yeah. And trees were replanted. They cut trees down. They replanted them. Yeah. To this day, I got these baby boomer neighbors of mine. Yeah. Bleh. 
Look at that tree. Mayor Daly planted that tree. Right. They'll vote for Daly no matter what. He, how corrupt he is. You know, the feds are not going to bet he planted that tree. So I'm just saying, folks, I really try. That's, point. That's what a good, may, a good a mayor who's going to get reelected does. They yes. make sure the garbage is collected. They make sure the streets are shoveled in the winter. Uh, they do the things that people want done. And then it's they, important to know that it's a Chicago tradition to not know what any of us are doing in Springfield, but to know everything about what's happening at City Hall. And uh, this is why, you know, this is just a thing. I mean, this is being a mayor is oftentimes a lot of that stuff. We're trying to expand legislatively, but I, I, I try to tell people this. There's also a place that does a lot of legislative work. It's just three and a half hours away in central <laughs> Illinois and it's called Springfield. And yeah. if you want, we can actually do a lot of good things legislatively for people, but you, you got to just pay attention to uh, all of us down in um, Springfield, Illinois. We're, we're, and we're, you know what? We're right there. We're in your district. We're, we're sometimes, there. I know the alderman's there uh, and they might get all the attention. We'll be standing right nearby and you might come up to us and you might say, are you that county commissioner? And we'll say, I'm your senator or I'm your rep. Yeah. And then they'll be like, can you deal with this issue on the street? And then we'll say, right there is the ultimate. And then we'll look at you and we'll say, we just brought in such and such millions of dollars in right. something around healthcare, And you'll like it. And we just hope you remember our name. Every couple of years. Well, uh, Robert Peters, I'll say this. I'll give me give a shout out to uh, senators and uh, House members. And it, a lot of this emanates from the conversation we had last night with uh, Martwick and Delia Ramirez. I don't know if the matter of whether Chicago had an elected school board was decided by the city council as opposed to the general assembly. I'm not sure you'd have had the votes to pass it. It, If you, if they were confronted by the blowback that you have received, not just from the powerful mayor, but from her powerful corporate allies and the editorial voices of both downtown dailies. And and I think cranes jumped in on it too. (laughs) So I don't think the alderman would have stood for it. You know what I'm saying, Robert? I don't think they would have been able to, I don't think they could have found the 26 votes to pass it. And they definitely wouldn't have had the override. So maybe distance builds backbones. Do you follow what I'm saying? You said it was in Springfield three hours away. Maybe that distance enables senators and and house members to be a little, what, tougher. I'll, I'll just say this. We got a lot of amazing progressive things done in Springfield uh, I, I personally was able to get mental health first responders done, uh, able to uh, support the elected school board getting done, uh, expand, uh, you know, pay, uh, unpaid time off for people who are survivors uh, of crime, violent crime. We were able to get so many amazing progressive things done in Springfield. And I'm very proud of all of us in the legislature. I'm proud uh, you know, I, I'll say this. I worked against the governor, very proud of the governor for the work that he's doing. And I hope people in Chicago know that uh, many of their legislators are doing amazing work 
to strengthen our communities and make them safer. And um, sometimes we may not get the attention. Uh, and, you know, I don't always seek necessarily that attention, but what I do want people to do is to know that we're doing good work, that we're looking out for our communities. $300 million in affordable house funding uh, is coming uh, to the state of Illinois. Large chunk of that is coming to uh, the city of Chicago. That is something that we did in the, the House and the Senate. Uh, you know, COVID relief protection, that's something that, you know, Senator Aquino, uh, Representative Deli Ramirez, myself, Gazzardi, Lindsay LaPointe, all were able to get massive protections for people who are, you know, risking their housing uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic. And then on top of that, more millions of dollars going into housing to keep people there. I mean, this is, I, I will finish. I, I got, I got to go. I got to say that but I'll finish and say this to everybody. Uh, there's a lot of drama in the city of Chicago. There are a lot of things that, uh, you know, I see that I don't necessarily agree with, uh, particularly on the public safety front, particularly uh, the same old bullshit attacks on our courts and on, um, on bond from the police chief. But what I can tell you is that for all of us in Springfield and the past uh, eight months that we've had, um, you know, including that lame duck period and the buildup to lame duck that got the Black Caucus pillars done is absolutely historic. And no other state in the country, no other state, this is something Illinois can be proud of, has done as much, particularly for black working class families as the state of Illinois. And the Black Caucus, the Progressive Caucus, and the uh, Latino Caucus played a huge role in making all these things happen. All right, we'll let you close with that one. Uh, Senator Robert Peters and uh, Monroe Anderson's not in his head. I think he uh, sort of agrees with what you were saying. I want to thank both of you for coming on the show. Uh, Monroe, of course, every Wednesday. And Robert Peters, I should have reach out to you more often because it's always fun talking politics with you. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. That's Robert Peters and Monroe Anderson. I'm Ben Jarofsky. And of course, I could not leave this show without thanking the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of all in Illinois it makes it all possible. And as Robert Peters and Monroe Anderson will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Take a chill pill, man. Take a chill pill, man.